What's up? What's happening? Welcome here to Lacrosse Now. I'm Travis Eldridge back again this week, and we've got real lacrosse to talk about. Things that happened in the NLL this past weekend. So we've got our NLL insider Jake Elliott joining us on this show. We go into all the different surprises that happened in week one. It was a pretty crazy week one, and not even every team in the NLL played yet. So a lot to dive into with Jake Elliott on the NLL side of things. We have got some lacrosse uh, outside of the NLL coming up this coming weekend down in Florida. Team USA on the men's side, their final tryout process for this 2023 team that will be uh, representing the country in the world championships coming up in San Diego next summer. We've got Grant Amen, who will be part of that tryout group that's going down to Florida this weekend. Grant Amen joining us to talk about that, his PLL season, and a bunch more. And we've got fresh lacrosse coming up on now lacrosse TV coming up later this month. The brand new professional box lacrosse association, the PBLA launching uh, later on here in December. We've got the commissioner, Steve Donner, joining us, joining me to talk about his vision for this league, what his vision is and, and why it was now is a good time to introduce this PBLA. So three terrific guests coming up uh, this week uh, on the show, but we'll start with uh, Grant Amen getting ready for Team USA tryouts, coming off a, a tough season in the PLL where he dealt with injuries that kept him out for part of the season. So let's catch up with Grant and talk about getting ready for Team USA tryouts. The Grant Amen from the Archers joins us now. Uh, Grant, you, you got uh, a lot going on. You get ready for uh, another opportunity with Team USA this weekend as well. Uh, how you feeling? Like, where's your game at? Where's your health at? Where are we at? Uh, it Good. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fast again um, and feeling strong and, and have been definitely working back to get health, getting healthy and, and finally feel uh, like myself out there again on the field and, and felt that way at the last round of tryouts. So um, the game's a lot more fun when, when I can use my legs. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. As anybody who's gone through any injury, it's like there's a, such a great appreciation for just feeling good being out there when you're back healthy, right? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, everything's, everything's good. Excited to, for another opportunity to, to showcase myself this weekend. And um, hopefully, uh, hopefully all things will go well. So let's start there because it's, it's coming up this weekend. What, what's been your experience throughout this process? Cause it's been a, a lengthy process, different weekends. Like how have you gone at, uh, gone after like trying to be part of this world championship team next summer? Yeah, I think for, for me, it's, you know, obviously being a little bit of a younger guy, trying to lean on some of the vets. Luckily, uh, my teammate and captain of the archers, Tom Schreiber's a, a veteran on the team along with Marcus Holman. Um, so those are, those are our two captains on, on the archers. And so kind of, you know, using them as soundboards and, and kind of to understand the process as it goes along. And, th and then obviously Rob Pinnell as well, who, who's a good friend, um, and has been on now, uh, two us teams. So is Marcus. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but kind of just trying to use them and, and use them as much as I can to, uh, understand the process, understand what I need to do to, to, to showcase myself. But I haven't really been in a tryout space in, in a very long time. And it's not something that I, uh, that I missed, um, <laughs> necessarily, but, but it's a, it's a great challenge. And more importantly, I mean, you're on the, you're on the field with, 50 of the best guys in the world and 50 of the best guys in the States. And it's, I, I wish at times it wasn't a tryout because it, it is such a high level of lacrosse and, and it's so much fun to, to play in. I mean, you hit on it. Like that's the, those are like the tryout experiences you go through when you're in middle school or high school, trying to make like an elite team or something like that. It's so unique. I feel like at this point in everybody's career, because you're right. Like you get the best players in, in the country together and it's like, all right, here we go. We got to, we got to find 23. Like, what is that experience like? And, and how do you kind of like mentally prepare for what it's going to be like when you get there? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, luckily Coach D and, and the staff make it very, like, it's very cut and dry. It's like, these are the expectations. Go out and play how you would play. And they encourage us to play how we would play within the system that they install um, at least offensively. And then, you know, obviously learning the international game and, and learning a little bit of those nuances, that's kind of what, what has been expected of us. So they've made it pretty easy for us to, to, to feel comfortable in the system. Um, and, and for, for me, you know, mentally preparing for it, um, 
obviously you could think of a lot of what ifs and compare yourself and and do all those things. You, you really can only focus on yourself at the end of the day and in, in these tryouts and, and how well you can do. Um, and, and, you know, kind of going back to the, the stuff that coach Tambroni taught me and hustling on ride backs and, and running out every end line and, and, you know, doing all the little plays off the ground. And, um, you know, those are the things at the end of the day that, that get you on the world team. And, um, you know, it's, it's fun going back to kind of your roots in, in that regard. You know, whether you're on that world team or not, like, I feel like these tryout processes, like you, you get in there, you, you put USA across your chest and it's special. Like what's that moment like when you're wearing red, white, and blue. And even if it's just a scrimmage, you're representing the country. Yeah. I I have probably still in my parents' house. I have like a USA poster from the 2010 team. So it's like, you know, uh, I, I forget who was, I mean, Paul was on the team. Yeah. Um, and they scrimmage this like Philly team, but anyways, I have, I have this poster and it, it is cool to kind of have that full circle moment. Um, you know, for me, I, I personally, I'll, I'll smile and I'll, and I'll know that I represent the, the, the country when we're facing the, the team in red and in red and white. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I look forward to. And, you know, it's obviously a huge honor to even be considered in the, in a part of the process, but, um, competitively, uh, I'll, I'll smile and I'll, I'll wear it w- with pride when I make the team. Well, uh, we, we wish you the best of luck this weekend down in Florida as you guys continue that process to uh, try to make that, that uh, team for uh, next summer's World Championships. Let's talk a little PLL. How would you sum up your season with the Archers? Personally, not great. Uh, I mean, I'll be the first one to, to tell you it was a frustrating personal year for me. Um, just injuries after injuries and and you know, not feeling, not feeling myself out there and, um, trying to contribute as much as I can and, um, put, put the team in the best position to win. Um, you know, as a team, I, I think I would say probably the same. Um, and I, I think when you ask the the leaders of the team, I think they would all, all agree with that. Um, I, I thought as, as always, like we have the talent, we have, we have some guys that, can certainly take over games and can certainly, you know, hang with anybody in the world. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we need to, we need to win in, in September. So um, I, I think all of us have a very mature mindset on that and, and understand that. And um, I think starting with the championship series and, and kind of getting back together a little bit, uh, we'll start kind of the rebuild back to uh, hopefully getting back to the semifinals. And then this time, Hopefully I can actually play in Philadelphia uh, on championship weekend. I mean, I'm sure you, you hate to hear it from people like me and, and everybody who talks about these teams because, like, I look at the roster, and, and you guys have to look at it too. It's like yourself and Marcus and Will and Tom and uh, Connor. Like, the list goes on of your offense. And I think, I mean, look, every PLL team is super talented, but you look at that list, it's like, man, we feel like we've got all the pieces we need to be great. So what is it that like hasn't clicked yet with that whole group for like a whole season? Uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's a few things. Um, you know, I, I think one, we, we've been knocked out by a team that's, that figures out how to get hot at the right time. At the end of the day, they do. And they're, they're a team that um, we certainly respect the the heck out of because of, you know, their ability to, um, a lot of those guys go straight from a season into another season and still be able to perform and get to a championship weekend. It's impressive. Um, and so, so obviously there's that side of things. Um, and, and for, for us, I think, you know, consistency in the lineup obviously helps. Um, and I thought we did a, a great job of having that this year. I actually felt confident going into the semifinal. I thought we had a great game plan and I thought we took a lot of the right steps um, in comparison to last year, I thought we scouted better. I thought we prepared better. And I thought we had honest and candid conversations with one another. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, that's just, it, un- unfortunately, you know, you can, you look at that game and you look top to bottom. You know, I probably should have canned two or three more, you know, Tom will probably tell you he should have canned a few. Marcus will tell you he should have canned a few. Will will tell you he like, we all had our opportunities. Um, and at the end of the day, collectively, we just, we didn't play to our best and then combine that with, 
um, you know, four highlight real goals that are juice goals down on the other end. It, it was a recipe for, for disaster, but um, I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily discouraged by the group that we have um, and the mentality that we all have going into it. Um, I, I think it was just kind of one of those days. It's just like it kind of the opposite of the, of, of, you know, a few of the few of the games that we had in the earlier parts of the season um, where, you know, we're playing teams where it just wasn't going right for them. And that's just just sport. But I think we're all very ready to kind of put that in the past and, and just get get out there and compete again um, and, and kind of figure this thing out as we go. Yeah, it's the, the great and terrible thing about sports. Like you just never know on any given day what's going to happen. Um, you mentioned the, the championship series. What's uh, what's your Sixes experience been like, and, and what are you expecting? So I don't have any Sixes experience, um, but uh, I've played enough small sided games and stuff in in my in my uh, in my day. We used to play this game called Sweep It in State College, and and it was the same thing, kind of very similar, up and down, five on five, just um, going at it, and uh, so so. I think it's a phenomenal thing for uh, us to be able to showcase the possibility of, of having it in the Olympics. And I, and I see that and the value of that because the guys that are going to be playing in this are, are obviously all top tier players. And um, it, I, I think if all of us, if you asked all of us, if that's what, what it was going to do to take it to the Olympics, we would all say yes. Um, and so um you know, I, I think it's going to be fun. I'm excited. They've incentivized us, you know, well with cash prizes and and obviously the the Olympic side of things. And for for the guys that don't play NLL, you know, I I look at it's an opportunity for me to compete a little bit, which I don't really get for uh you know eight months out of the year. So um you know it's it's fun to be able to strap it up and kind of get the competitive juices out. You mentioned that, and that's always the biggest transition for anybody who goes from playing in college, and then you have the, that first year where you go college into pro, and it's great. It's, it's smooth. Uh, I mean, but, like, once that college season stops, like, you don't have fall ball. You don't have a spring season, and, and it's like, uh, what do I do with all this time? How do I stay competitive? What have you learned about what you need in order to make sure you're ready for the beginning of a PLL season? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. It's, it's something that looking towards the future of the league, I hope that there is consistency across the league of what everybody kind of looks like in terms of their training. Um, for me, uh, I work combination on field and in the weight room um, with my with my trainer and uh, have gotten to a point where I have a, a good system um, and, and I wear GPS tracking stuff and really to just try to try to get as much data as I can to um, to start to regulate training. When you look at sports across the industry, across like the sporting industry professionally, all of them use scientific data and, and all of uh, different touch points. Um, and there's a, there's a system for every sport. Lacrosse really doesn't have that yet. And um, for, for us, it's way too hard to, to, re- to have a college type diet um, because, and we also don't really need it as much. You know, a lot of those, a lot of the stuff as we get to elite athletes, you know, you can tailor your lifts a little bit more and tailor your training a little bit more. Um, but you know, it's, it's something that I'm still candidly figuring out. Um, and, and it's something that I think I, I'll get better at every year. Um, but, but making sure, you know, I get enough volume in my conditioning, making sure I'm getting enough, you know, sprint reps and, and doing all of those things. And then as I get towards the season, um, you know, calling Chris Sabia and, go out and do one-on-ones and, and start to get a little bit more live reps. Um, but I think that's the biggest difference between pro and college is there's just not as many live reps and you can create those. Um, but a- as you get older, it's, it's harder to do that many live reps. So, um, you know, I, I think it's been a learning curve. There's been a learning curve throughout the past three years, but um, every year I seem to be able to pick up on, on a few extra things that I can dial into my training. Uh Speaking of college, what do you think of Penn State in 2023? What's your feel for them? I, I mean, I love I love my Nittany Lions. <laughs> they will be they will have more than three wins. Um, I, I mark but, it down. But, uh, but I know that that the team knows that, and that they're certainly motivated as a group. Um, I think they'll have some missing pieces back from last year. 
Um, obviously getting TJ Malone healthy uh, and Jack Trainer healthy. I mean, those two guys are their two most dynamic players and, and they didn't have them last year. Um, I think defensively um, you'll see some younger guys getting some tick uh, and, and there's some good, good guys down, down there. Um, shout out my boy, Will Costin, um, who's a uh, Haverford boy. Um, so uh, he'll, he'll be starting down low, hopefully for, for the Nets. Um, but no, I, I think that they're in a great place uh, in terms of where, where they are culturally. I think they're really hungry. Um, and, and I think, you know, if we're talking about guys to look out for, I, I would bet my money that, that TJ Malone is going to have a breakout year and there's, uh, and, and Jack trainer as well. And that those two, uh, I truly believe those two should be on the all American list by the end of the year. So, um, you know, they're, they're guys that work their tails off, but also just love the game and love Penn state lacrosse. I think we got to go right to the source, get our uh, get our uh, news and notes for Penn State. Not biased, so, not biased at all. No, not not biased, not biased at all. <laughs> hey, you know what? They got to get back to the the home of the best uh, best NFL team in the league. You know, it's it's back in Philadelphia for the Final Four this year, so they got to try to get back there. Damn right, damn right. <laughs> I'll be. It's about fifteen minutes from my apartment, so I, I I will. Unfortunately, I'll be at training camp during that, but uh, we'll. Uh, I'm sure I'll have friends staying at my apartment while while they're in the Final Four. Hopefully. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Hey, Grant, uh, safe travels this weekend. Good luck with Team USA. And uh, can't wait to see you guys uh, at the, the championship series. All right? Th- uh, thanks for the time. Great. Thanks, Travis. Have a good one, man. Best of luck to Grant uh, as he heads down to Florida. Warmer temperatures than up here in the, the Northeast uh, this weekend as uh, they head down uh, to Team USA tryouts in Florida. Also taking place around the same time as the IMLCA convention down there, uh, all the college coaches. So it's a lot, a lot of lacrosse world, at least on the men's side, between college and the international game headed down to Florida this weekend. Safe travels and good luck to everybody down there. Uh, Inside, in the box game, the NLL making a big announcement here on Tuesday, announcing earlier today the first ever NLL regular season game that will take place outside. And there's a tie to these 2023 World Championships that will be happening in San Diego because the NLL outdoor game that's going to be taking place March 4th will be taking place at Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego, which is the same location that will host some games during that 2023 World Championship, including the gold medal game for the World Lacrosse uh, Men's World Championships coming up this summer. So it'll be a sneak peek for the lacrosse world as to what Snapdragon Stadium could look like for those World Championships. We'll be hosting an NLL game between San Diego, the Seals, and the Las Vegas Desert Dogs March 4th, Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, it'll be a 1.30 p.m. Pacific time. That'll be 4.30 back here on the East Coast. Should be an awesome, awesome facility for lacrosse. It'll be really cool to see. I mean, we've seen it for the NHL and how they bring the, the arena essentially to these outdoor venues. going to be really cool to see how they do it. The, the capacity for the event will be right around 10,000. They're shrinking the capacity to make sure it's up close and personal for the fans. So if you're in San Diego, you're in California, you're close, try to find a way to go because it should be a really, really cool uh, event. Seals, Desert Dogs, March 4th, first ever NLL regular season game outdoors. So that happened after we talked with Jake Elliott, our NLL insider. So we didn't get a chance to talk about this uh, cool new event for the NLL uh, with Jake, but we had plenty to talk about recapping week one in the NLL Let's catch up with our NLL insider in front of the show, Jake Elliott. So not to be confused with the Eagles kicker, Jake Elliott, the NLL insider, joins us now to talk about week one of the NLL. Jake, always good to hang out with you. Thanks for some time, man. My pleasure. Uh, every now and then the, the Twitter feed, uh, I'll get some hate mail or uh, what have you if I miss a big kick in, a, in an important moment. But uh, I'm way too big to be a kicker, I think. So uh Anyways, uh, Jake Kelly, go Eagles, fly birds, well that. Uh, I got way too many people on my timeline that are Eagles fans as well, so it's a, it gets a little confusing. Anyways, uh, good to be with you, Travis, here on Lacrosse TV, man. Uh, big rebrand. This is exciting stuff. My first appearance on Lacrosse TV. Yeah, you're you're one of our our first guests since uh, since we changed everything last week. So let's get into this. Um, 
We're just talking about week one in the NLL. Surprises kind of all over the map. What was your biggest surprise? Who biggest surprise? I think has to be the Albany Firewolves going into to Buffalo and taking one from the Bandits. Man, uh, tell you what, uh, the picks were not too friendly to me on on the old podcast. You know, we got the whole who you got thing going, and. My top two confidence picks here in Albany and Georgia. So I'm way down the list uh, in, in all the people in the standings after one week of action here. So, but yeah, Albany, I think grinding out a, a win over Buffalo on the road uh, to kick off their year has to be the biggest surprise so far. Yeah, and like to, just to dive deeper into that game, I mean, Doug Jamison's great, 45 saves. And, I mean, we had Ethan Walker on the show last week, and he's talking about, you know, he's going to Albany. He's like, we're just trying to figure things out continuity-wise. Like, our offense is kind of inexperienced. It, it almost felt like talking to him that this was, like, re, full rebuilding mode. Well, I, I mean, I guess not. I mean, you go ahead and beat maybe the best team in the league last year in, in week one. Like, there could be some optimism here. Yeah, Colorado might have something to say about being the best team in the league last sure. year. But yeah. uh, I, I hear I hear what you're saying. And you know what? I like I think maybe Albany kind of thought this year might have been a bit of a write-off as well with all the moves that they made offensively and, and they stocked up on draft picks. And a lot of guys are going to be inserted into their lineup over the next year and, and probably two years that are going to be real impact guys on in their lineup. So they did a quick turnover but I don't know if they expected to come into this year and be super competitive. And you mentioned Ethan Walker and, and the guy that I have on the podcast this week, I've never had a conversation with him. Tanner Thompson, who had a fantastic game for the Firewolves, is going to join me this week. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. A guy that, you know, just kind of muddled in, in the league for a couple of years, didn't really get a sniff with Saskatchewan, then was moved on to New England, didn't do a whole lot there. Second year in Albany now, and, and he seems to be a real focal point of the offense and uh, put up seven points in that game, seven out of the 11 goals he was in on. And I think the same thing with Ethan Walker. Like, you know what this kid did at DU. He's a, he's a prolific shooter and, and a Peterborough kid. You know the lineage, the, the players that come out of there and just needed an opportunity, and he's going to get one here in Albany. I think this is going to be a reoccurring theme, Travis, of guys that, have maybe been down the depth chart on other teams now getting an opportunity in a new location to show what they can do. And sometimes that's all you need. It's just an opportunity. And I think Walker and, and Tanner Thompson are two prime examples of that. Yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head with that because one of the other guys that really impressed here in week one is Connor Fields now with Rochester. I mean, because four goals, seven assists for the Nighthawks. Like, I mean, we've seen, we saw him in, in college, and, like, he, he's towards on finalists. He's a superstar. I, I don't know if he, in the pro game, has ever been looked at like a number one guy, whether it's indoor or outdoors, and it feels like maybe this could be his chance. Like, could this be, like, where we're looking at Connor Fields as, like, the guy in Rochester? Oh, I have to think so, Travis. And, you know, let's not forget, that he started his career in San Diego. He wasn't going to be a number one guy there and still pretty new to the whole box game. I know he had a little experience at, when he was younger, but um, a lot of stars around that Seals team. And then he goes on to Buffalo and, you know, <laughs> you're talking <laughs> yeah. Burn and, and Dane and you know the deal there. So he wasn't going to be the number one guy there. And listen, from all accounts, Connor Fields was none too happy about being left unprotected by Buffalo. And Steve Dietrich in a real tough position there couldn't protect everybody, and it was Connor Fields that he left unprotected, and he knew he was going to be the guy that got selected. He just, he goes just down the road, right, to Rochester, but a different situation. You're talking a, a championship-caliber roster in Buffalo and, and coming oh so close to the title over the last couple of years to go into a team like Rochester that I think had four wins last year, and he wasn't happy about it. And he came out and he played like it in week one, and I think this is going to be – what we're going to see from the Nighthawks and, and Connor Fields is a real motivated lacrosse player saying, hey, like you made a mistake, Buffalo, and now I'm going to make you pay. And man, like uh, if they can get that kind of production out of Fieldsy for, for the entire year, look out for the Nighthawks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that's the guy we've seen at times in his, in his career, and he's been the number one guy places and he, he's shown it over and over again. He, he's got the stuff to, to be that. It'll be fun to watch him throughout this year. Um, 
Let's stay in the East with, with Halifax. Cody Jamison is an ageless wonder. Like this guy between the injuries and, the, and he still goes out there and is still contributing at a high level. And then Halifax team, they looked impressive here in week one. Yeah, they were clicking on all cylinders, weren't they? And, and I'm not so sure. It was kind of a weird opening week for a number of teams. Like Colorado fell flat on their face, as did Vancouver. We might talk about those guys here momentarily. And Philadelphia, yeah. who, you know, it's hard to go into it and watch a game like that and then say to yourself, man, is Halifax really that good? Or is Philadelphia really that bad? Or is it a, somewhere a combination of, of in-between? And I think that might be the case. Like, I don't think Philly performed anywhere near as, as well as they can. And, and I think Halifax was just dialed right out of the get-go in that game. But to bring it back to, to Jammer, man, I don't think he played last year at 100% help all season long. And I think an offseason for him really helped him. I think he's, you know, there, there are a lot of miles and a lot of hits and everything else on that body. But he's still the heartbeat of that team. He's the captain of that team. He's the inspirational leader of that team. And now he's in a position where he doesn't have to put up 100 points in a season to be effective. He's just got to chip in and, and be a, a piece of the puzzle. And I think he's adapted well into that role and still productive, no question about it. And and I don't know how much longer he's going to go. But uh, if he plays like that, I mean, uh, he's still got some gas in the tank. That's for sure. And I let you hit the nail on the head in terms of like the mileage for him, like him playing as long as he has in the way in which he plays the box game is different than some other guys. He's not a finesse dude. Like he is no. lower in the shoulder. <laughs> it, this, this is not a finesse game that Cody Jamison's playing. So it, those, the miles are a little different for him than for some other guys. Absolutely. And, and let's not forget that we're not just talking national lacrosse league here, right. right? We're talking summer ball. We're talking field lacrosse. We're talking world championships. Um, this guy, all he does is, is play lacrosse. And, and I don't know if you've seen the clip. It was from a few years ago now, Travis, but there's a, there's a clip out of there where Cody Jamison is coming down on goal. And I th I believe it is poor Chet Kinesny that is in the goal because they had pulled the goaltender. And I think it was the Philadelphia Wings at the time. And Cody comes down. He's got an empty net. He's inside the dotted circle, man. And he, like, there was no finesse. Like, he wound up and pasted one into the top corner with a player standing in between the pipes playing goal. And people were like, Holy cow. Like, and he's like, Hey, I shoot to score. So there is no, no finesse when it comes to Cody Jamison. He's uh, balls to the wall every time. So you were talking about this Philadelphia Halifax game of like where the teams are after week one. And I think there's no stranger result when you look at it than the Saskatchewan and Colorado game, because you, you mentioned Colorado defending champs. They look so good down the stretch last year, especially the defense with, with Dylan Ward. And Saskatchewan hangs 18 goals on them. They win 18 to six. I mean, where was they led? Saskatchewan led six to nothing in this game, and it was like it was over almost before it started. Where was? We'll start with Saskatchewan. Where was the Saskatchewan team last year? Well, I, Travis, I think they were there coming down the stretch at the end of the year. The problem for Saskatchewan last year was their start. They were just horrible out of the gates and dug themselves such a deep hole that they were unable to, to climb out of it. And when they made the coaching change, and I'm not pinning it all on Jeff McComb because I think that's nonsense. But when they made the, the coaching change, they went on a pretty good run. And if they had a little longer of a runway at the end of the season, I think they get into the playoffs. And then who knows what happens uh, once you're in the dance. But I'm watching Alex Bouquet in, in goal here and going, where was this Alex <laughs> Bouquet a year ago in Vancouver? Because he was... Uh, phenomenal, getting off to a quick start. But I think the other thing we have to to kind of keep in mind here, Travis, is that Colorado coming off a championship run, they are severely dinged up. They're missing a ton of bodies in their lineup. And I think that showed uh, in, in week one. So, you know, there's a prime example. Like Colorado won a championship last year and they get hammered in week one. But is anybody going to panic in, in Denver or around the league saying Colorado is in danger of missing the playoffs or they're going to have a horrible year. I don't think so. I'm not right. It's one week. 
and I think that's all it is. So great win for Saskatchewan. Fantastic. They get off to a good start and put up a bunch of goals, and they do it at home. Um, for Colorado, I'm not too worried. I, I just think they were undermanned lacrosse team first week of the season. Tough place to go play in Saskatchewan and late Nick. Yeah, well, and I, I think you see the toll of what playing, you know, NLL lacrosse into early June. And then a lot of these guys then played, whether it was summer box or field lacrosse pro and, and all the international stuff throughout the summer. And then, boom, you're right back into it. And I, I think sometimes early on in the year, you see that toll catch up to some of these guys. And I mean, I, we saw it with Buffalo. We see it with Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, that's just part of the deal, man. When you're playing that much lacrosse in a 12 month period, you got to pace yourself a little bit. You just can't, like, I, I think just to spin it back to Halifax, like, I think Graham Hossack was a perfect example of that. Like, Man Cup run, World Championships, sixes, summer, PLL, NOL, like, it just nonstop, right? And, and you just can't perform at your elite level when you're playing that much and this this sport is so so taxing on your body it's not like baseball where you're playing 160 games a year and you know you're eating sunflower seeds in the dugout for half the game this is this is big boy stuff here and you can't do it so yeah i I think it's just going to be a slow burn and if you ask anybody Yes, the wins mean just as much in the early season as they do at the end of the year. But everybody wants to be peaking at the right time and playing their best lacrosse when it matters most, and that's late March, early April. So let's hit on the team that you know well in, in Vancouver. And, I mean, they, they went up to Toronto, and it was a, a tough one for them. What's your takeaway from what you saw from the Warriors, but also what you saw from Toronto where T- Tom Schreiber was terrific in that one? Yeah, I mean, Tom's terrific in every game he plays, isn't <laughs> that's, he? Uh, that's a good point. And, and listen, uh, Jalen Rogers getting moved up to offense on a full-time basis. He, he and Tom, Tom and Jalen are going to be a problem. Those are they two are really good lacrosse players, like really, <laughs> oh really good God. lacrosse players. Yeah, like I, I think you could see Challen Rogers win the MVP this year. That's how dominant I think he's going to be. And, and they've moved him up front on a full-time basis. But I still think there's going to be times when he's going to go back and play some short man and some transition and some ball team and some, you know, all of it. So uh, maybe the most complete player in the game right now, Challen Rogers. But yeah, t- short, Tribes was unreal. Their defense was spectacular. Like there was like hat tricks from defenders like DeSnew and – and they just they just rolled for Vancouver. I'll say this, Travis: like uh, they finally got their first exhibition game out of the way, right? <laughs> they didn't uh, they didn't play any exhibition. I think they were the only team that did not have an exhibition game, and I think it really showed. And Vancouver may not be a championship roster this year, but you know when you're playing your first game of the year, you're going across the the continent, uh, the country to to play it. It's an earlier time zone. They had like an eight o'clock shoot around for a five o'clock start there in, in Hamilton after a long travel day and no exhibition. That's a real tough spot to go and and to go and play the team that I think is going to win the championship this year, Travis, that's, that's a tough way to start your season. And a lot of it riding on goaltender, Steve Fryer, who is now the number one guy there. And he was just overwhelmed by the rock in, in their transition and their offense. And, uh, you know, they, they dug themselves a hole that they just couldn't get out of. I, by the first half, it was over and they played him pretty straight up in the second half, but it was too little too late. Uh, speaking of the rock, I mean, we had talked to Dan Dawson a couple of years ago and it felt like, all right, any one of these years, it could be it. Like, is he ever going to retire? I hope not, man. This I guy's really unbelievable. Don't. I absolutely love Dan Dawson. Like he is one of my favorite people to talk to just, you know, whether it's about lacrosse or, or life or whatever the case may be. Um, And I love to watch the guy play. I think this is year 21 for Dan Dawson, which is just amazing. And and listen, his brother in, in uh, Rochester, he's at year 15 or something like that. And uh, it's incredible what these guys have done in their career. And, 
I don't know how much longer Dan Dawson can go, man. I, I, I think he really wants to deliver a championship to Toronto before it's all said and done. And I think this year they got the roster to do it. So let's uh, let's finish with this one because we talked about a lot of impressive players. Who, who is your most impressive in, in week one? I, Connor Fields has to be up there. I think Doug Jamison has to be in the conversation. Mitch DeSnew has to be in the conversation there. Rylan Hartley, I thought, had a great game for, for the Nighthawks and Golds. Good to see Hartley back uh, tending the net. So there was a number of, of standout performances. I think those would be my top guys. DeSnew, Fields, Tanner Thompson, Rylan Hartley, and, and Doug Jamison. We just call that the Jake Elliott NLL Team of the well, Week. There you go. Well, you know, like I, I didn't even mention Jeff T. Travis, who put up a casual dozen for the riptide like he almost willed that team back to victory by himself against the san diego seals who are probably the odds on favorite to come out of the west so man like i it's crazy when you're thinking like this that 12 points in a game is an average night for jeff t and i think we're gonna see this like i'm putting the mark at it right now travis 10 is going to be the average for Jeff T per game this season. 10. It's, it, I mean, it's crazy, but like with what he might have to do on that roster, I think at times for them to compete, like he's got the freedom to do it and he certainly has the skill. I mean, we've seen it now like a year plus he's, he's there. 180 points in a season. It could happen this year. Mark my words. Mark it down, Travis. Callum, I mean, this they got some players around Jeff Teat now, Riley O'Connor, Callum Crawford. Um, they got some players that can can help out. I mean, Larson Sundown, all he wants to do is get guys open. And whether he, you know, gets a couple or some assists or whatever, this guy is an absolute bowling ball inside on that offense. And guys love playing with guys like that. So Offense is not going to be an issue on Long Island this year. I guarantee you of that. And, and Jeff T, 180 points could happen. We'll, uh, we'll save this for later in the year and uh, see, see how it turns out. Jeff T is special, special talent. Uh, all right, Jake, we appreciate the time. You can listen to Jake, uh, Lacrosse Classified Podcast. Got some terrific guests last week. I know he... we, got, we got Brett Frude, Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League on this week. So it's definitely one you want to listen to. All right. When's it come out? Uh, every Tuesday, noon Pacific, wherever you find your podcast, you'll find Lacrosse Classified. All right, so check out Jake on the Lacrosse Classified podcast, and uh, we appreciate the time and the insight, man. We'll catch up here uh, later in the season. Let's do this again soon, Travis. Lacrosse TV, I love it, man. Good stuff. Thanks, Jake. See ya. Speaking of the indoor game, exciting news that was also announced uh, today here on Tuesday by the PBLA and us here at Lacrosse TV. We will have a game of the week throughout this first inaugural PBLA, the Professional Box Lacrosse Association season. Uh, set to start later this month here at the end of December. The, the game schedule hasn't exactly been released yet, but uh, some exciting matchups. It's a league that uh, promises to have some players like Marcus Holman, Stephen Kelly, former Syracuse player Bradley Voigt, Bill O'Brien, who spent some time in the NLL, uh, all expected to compete in this league uh, for various teams uh, across the league. Should be a lot of fun, and there's a vision here for the PBLA of an opportunity to allow some American players who may not have box experience to get real live reps and minutes in professional games, something that if the, you're on a practice squad in the NLL, you may not have an opportunity to do. So an opportunity to maybe learn the box game and get experience a little bit faster to maybe someday make that jump to the NLL or represent Team USA in the World Indoor Championship. So uh, a, a great idea, and it's going to be fun to watch this league grow. Had a chance to catch up with the commissioner, Steve Donner, earlier this week, talking about what his vision for this PBLA is. We're now joined by the commissioner of the new Indoor Pro Box Lacrosse Association, the PBLA, Steve Donner. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for taking some time during a busy time for you as you guys get ready to launch this league later this month. Oh, Travis, thank you. It's, uh, it is an exciting time for us, the league, but uh, like I say, it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you here today. So pitch me the vision. Where did this come from, the idea to start this new Indoor Box League? 
Well, you know, we've I've been involved with lacrosse for um, decades and the indoor game as well. And, uh, you know, love the NLL. It's a great product, great players. And probably for over a decade, I think not just me, but a number of people were looking for ways to introduce uh, more American players, you know, to indoor lacrosse, box lacrosse. And I think the uh, evolution of the NLL, for one reason or another, I think when the MLL first started, the, the player pool was almost 80% American. And over the last 25 years, it's sort of, sort of just evolved to an almost 96% Canadian the other way. And at the same time, you know, the growth of lacrosse in the U.S. has just been going through a tremendous, tremendous growth spurt in every direction, whether it's on the field or in the box. Organically, it's been growing uh, leaps and bounds. And so uh, the players themselves were the ones sort of saying, you know, we need an outlet, you know, for American players to play box lacrosse. I think the NLL recognizes that, you know, for, for if they want to go to 30 franchises someday, you know, They've got to find a solution for it too. So, independently, uh, you know, John Livesey and myself, you know, had this vision over the last three years. We were working on it through COVID, slowed down a little bit through COVID, and uh, you know, put together partnerships, you know, with a few other people that shared our vision. And and uh, you know, the league is being born. And really, what it is, Travis, is high-level box lacrosse, you know, with a high emphasis on developing American players and American coaches. Well, and I think you look at some of the rosters that you guys have put out there, and there are some names that are, Ameri are Americans that, that people will recognize, whether they're playing in the PLL or were great college players in the field. Uh, what's been the reception from the pool of players that you've pulled in of, about the opportunity to play uh, pro indoor lacrosse? Well, the reception has really blown us away. Uh, you know, any good league has to have a good talent pool, a good base to work from. We had a good vision of what we thought would be attractive to players and some, I think, the both the markets we've picked and, and some of the rule changes that we put in the game, we really thought would be attractive to the American players. But to be blown away uh, by the talent that's entered the league through the draft, through free agency, and most recently the supplemental draft, you know, I have to say uh, our talent pool right now way exceeds our, our early expectations. And it's an exciting testament to, I think, what the players think about what the PBLA can be. You mentioned the rules. Uh, how similar or different will this feel and look to fans that are fans of the NLL in the indoor game? Well, I think it's going to look really familiar to the NLL fans. Uh, I think the, the subtle changes really are going to be transition. I think the, one of the things we're working on, you know, in the early days of the MILL, you know, there was long bombs from goalies after a save, uh, try to get two on one, three on one, up and down the floor. You know, now the NLL has become a little more platooned you know, an offensive defensive sort of structure. The goalie gets the goalie gets the ball after a save, lets his defensive get off the floor, gets his offense on the floor, and they you know work the ball around for a shot. So we're trying to bring some transition back into the game, you know, on a on a shift by shift basis. So our players are gonna have to learn how to play both ends of the floor. So is there is the, how do you do that in terms of the rules? How, how do you what are you implementing? <laughs> well, partly is uh you know where players can substitute. So right now in the NLL, players can substitute out the back door. And uh, so if you start out with a two-on-one, a three-on-one break, two or three guys can pop off the back door as two guys hit the front door, and it snuffs out the transition. All of our substitutions, you know, coming off the field are going to come up the near door, you know, and so it's going to eliminate that 10 or 15-yard uh, advantage on a substitution and put it, put it back in the offense's hands. You, uh, you're based at Elmira. Uh, it, it, the southern tier of New York is a, a place I know well, and, and I know Syracuse. I know you spent a lot of time developing different minor league teams in Rochester. There's a lot of this league that's based in that area. What was the vision and idea behind that? I, I'm guessing it probably helps with travel and a lot of other logistical things. Yeah, you know, uh, it was partial travel. It was partial familiarity with the game. Uh, it was partially, you know, around cities that have had indoor lacrosse. Uh, so it's not foreign, but maybe a little far away to to um, support game in, game out. I think the tradition of uh, the college programs in the region with our player pool that we're going after, you know, played a big role and our familiarity. You know, my, I'm very familiar with the region and thought, you know, what a better way to uh, put it in markets with player pool, markets with traditional lacrosse and build instant rivalries. We try to do the same thing, you know, in our uh, Carolina, Virginia region as well around player pools of. Division one talent and uh, close enough where 
you know, lacrosse fans love to travel. So we're hoping to build instant rivalries on both divisions. You obviously have have a lot of experience with, I think, this level of professional sports, whether uh, it's your time with the, the Amherst there in the AHL or your time in the, in the National Lacrosse League when, uh, with, with the Nighthawks. How do you drive success with this level of, of professional sports where you're, you're not at the top tier where it's the, the NFL or the NBA, but it's somewhere in the middle where you're trying to draw on local fans to feel a, a tie to a team that's in, in their hometown? Well, I think it's a combination of things. It's, I think, one, uh, you know, supplying maybe a need that's not being supported right now in those markets. Uh, I think it's using familiar talent. Uh, just not to knock, you know, the Syracuse century and the NLL years ago, but they came in with a lot of Canadian players, uh, maybe a lot of unrecognizable names. You know, and the players in the Syracuse are going to have a great team this year, by the way. And they're putting it together with players from that region uh, uh, you know, former SU players, players that have played on a Dunga reservation. And so it's going to be both a, a great product on the field, very affordable and a market that's not being served for, you know, overserved by professional sports with recognizable names. How will you determine success here with this league, whether it's, uh, I'm some of your goals here in year one and then looking forward. Well, I think number one, our, our goals are, growing the game of box lacrosse. So the fact that in our first year, we've virtually doubled the number of American cities that have pro box lacrosse in year one, I think is a huge, you know, victory in itself. I think number two, putting a product on the field that the fans will embrace and enjoy, uh, you know, the game in any version is a great game. You know, I think what we're trying to do with our version of the game is to have the most impactful, exciting, fun, version of box lacrosse that there is out there today. And then number three, you know, um, selling it to the fans, you know, you know, having a less than one year window to, to launch nine teams, you know, we're going to have crowds that are going to vary in size. You know, we know that. And, uh, you know, but we also know that when people are exposed to the game, you know, they love to come back. So we're going to, we're going to be patient with our, uh, you know, model of building fans behind it. But I think we're excited to have great cities, great leases, Great coaches, tremendous players, and now we've got to build build behind all of that. And you mentioned the the importance of giving Americans the opportunity to play. It is the vision that you hope that Americans can come into this league, learn this this version of the sport, and continue to grow. Whether it's continuing to be elite in your league or playing in the NLL and and elsewhere. Yes, I, I think players playing in our league will their game will improve no matter which direction they decide to go. You know, we're going to take our growth year to year. Uh, it's proven that, you know, indoor box box skills are great for the outdoor game. You know, uh, it's, it's well accepted in Division One programs now, Division Two programs, and three. You know, I think, um, you know, the, the frustration for American players in the NLL is it may take them three or four years to get enough minutes to really have an impact, you know, for themselves, you know, and for the league. And, you know, three, four years is a long time in a player's career. You know, those players can come into our league, I think, be impactful right away. Their learning curve will be a lot quicker. And if, uh, you know, they become stars in our league and stay with it, or if they grow from our league and, and go on to, you know, be a star in the PLL or, or play in the LL, I think we'll be, we'll be really excited for everyone that can grow from this experience. All right, so uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave you with this because we're, we're less than a month away from opening night in this league. Uh, what's, these, what are, what's the focus here in the last couple of weeks as we lead up to the, the first game in PBLA history? Well, for the coaches, they've got some hard choices to make. Uh, boy, they're going to be some tough cuts. Um, and, and, you know, I think behind that is what can we do to make the fan experience on opening night with the biggest crowds and the most exciting, you know, uh, atmosphere for all of our opening night games. So, and I think number three, just get the games on, <laughs> you know, so that's going to be our goal. But I think uh, I think the product's going to take care of itself and we're going to grow into the business, you know, uh, week to week as the season progresses here. Well, uh, Steve, we're really excited to see it. Uh, it should be a, a lot of fun to, to watch the beginning of this league coming up later this month here in December, the PBLA uh, inaugural season. We appreciate the time. We'll uh, we'll talk here soon as uh, we uh, we launch this thing and, and get into the season. Travis, you know, it's going to be part of lacrosse history, and I'm, I'm excited we're doing it together with the Lacrosse Network, Lacrosse TV. And uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks we can look at some highlights and talk about how fun the game is. We cannot wait, Steve. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, Travis.
So as we said, PBLA Game of the Week coming to Lacrosse TV starting later this month. Make sure you keep an eye out on social media as we'll continue to promote uh, when those games will begin and our exact game schedule for the PBLA Game of the Week uh, all season long here in the PBLA's inaugural season. Well, as you may have noticed, if you follow us on social media, we have a new name here at LSN. Well, now it's Lacrosse TV. And for people who have been following and watching and listening to our content from the very beginning or even just in the last few years, this isn't for you. Nothing's changing. The content is going to stay the same. We hope to continue to bring you uh, great interviews and stuff like you've been used to getting here on Lacrosse Now. Great games, including uh, our relationship with the CAA continuing, uh, high school, college, all that's staying the same. This is for some of the regular sports fans or people that may be introduced to us with some of the new distribution uh, deals that we hope to be announcing here in the, in the near future. Because what we hope is that by changing our name from LSN to Lacrosse TV, if somebody is scrolling through some of these new digital TV guides and they stumble upon lacrosse, well, maybe they didn't play lacrosse, but maybe they have a son or a daughter who played or a niece or nephew who plays and they see the word lacrosse and they go, oh, I've heard of that. Let me give it a try. And then they're introduced to our exciting content and hopefully then in turn introduced to the sport that we all love so much. So if you've been following us, we appreciate your continued support. And just know that the change in name doesn't really come with the change in content. We're still going to continue to bring you everything you've enjoyed since the beginning of us launching this network. But what we are going to continue to do is try to expand the reach of not only the network, but also of the sport. So we hope you enjoy uh, the new logo, our new name, Lacrosse TV. It'll, it's taking me a little adjustment to get used to saying it, uh, but all the content's going to stay the same, and we continue to appreciate your support and uh, all your time viewing, listening, consuming our content. So that's all the time uh, we have here for Lacrosse Now this week. We will be right back here. More great content coming your way next week, including a bunch of great interviews. Got a bunch of college coaches had a chance to catch up with over the last couple of weeks. We'll continue to bring those to you as we get ready for the 2023 season. But for now, that's all the time we got. We'll see you.